Welcome to the Happy Menopause podcast. I'm Jackie Lynch, registered nutritional therapist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialize in women's health and the menopause. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. And my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is coming out soon and available to pre-order in all the usual places. In the meantime, join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. Welcome to July, everyone. It's been a difficult few months for a lot of us. So as lockdown eases in most countries, I thought this would be a good time to start thinking about new adventures. Midlife is a time which can be transformational and enormously liberating because the hormones that have driven your decisions, your approach and your emotions for years start to subside. And there's some space for you to become more aware of yourself and consider life from a different perspective. These last months of lockdown have also offered a period of reflection for many of us. I've spoken to several people who are considering making changes to the way that they work or how they live. So I thought today's episode would be a great opportunity to explore that a bit further. I'm speaking to the brilliant Joe Mosley, a self-confessed midlife adventurer who says that you're never too old to do something wild and it's never too late to make a difference. But first, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Silk, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. Their wonderful product can transform your intimate life because one of the midlife symptoms we don't often talk about is vaginal dryness. It can be a real problem during the perimenopause and the menopause, causing itching, discomfort and painful sex. So I'd like to say a big thank you to them, not just for supporting this podcast, but for offering a gentle and natural solution for women with vaginal dryness. Silk's plant-based formula is made in New Zealand with kiwi vine gum extract, which is a natural lubricant. It's water-based and pH-friendly, so that it gently soothes vaginal dryness and irritation, helping you rediscover your love life. It's available at all chemists and off the shelf in larger boot stores. Visit silk, uk to order your free sample. And so on to today's episode. I'm thrilled to be speaking to Jo Mosley. She describes herself as a joy encourager, midlife adventurer and beach cleaner. In 2019, Jo embarked on a coast-to-coast challenge in the north of England, travelling along 162 miles of canals on a stand-up paddleboard, picking up litter and raising money for charity. But life wasn't always like that for her. Several years ago, Jo was hit hard by the perimenopause. So find out how she went from sobbing in the supermarket to paddleboard pro. Let's hear what she's got to say. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Joe. Well, thank you very much. It's an absolute honour to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. I think you are just the person we need to help <laughs> us bring a bit of joy to July. <laughs> thank um, you. <laughs> so let's start out with a bit of background from you. What's your story? You know, who is Joe Mosley? Who is Joe Mosley? I'm a mum. I'm a single mum. I have two sons who are now 23 and 19, and we live on the edge of the Yorkshire Dales. Lovely. So... 
tell us all about it. You know, how, what's your background? How did you get to where you are now? My life was um, like lots of people, university, working. I got married. I had children. I worked with my husband and went through all the ups and downs that lots of us go through. I had a couple of miscarriages. Um, I had my sons. And then I got divorced. <laughs> and, uh, and then I sort of started my life again. How old were you when that happened? So uh, that was 2007, so 13 years ago, so 42-ish. Yeah, 42, yeah, when I got divorced. So, yeah, not great, Um, broken, I think the word would be. Um, And so, yeah, I've sort of built my life up again, and I guess that's where I've learned to find real joy in the very ordinary, everyday things as I sort of rebuilt our lives, really. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like you've been through quite a journey. But tell us, I know there was a specific trigger, wasn't there? Mm. And I think in about 2013 that really started this whole journey. So yeah. tell us about that. You're absolutely right, Jackie. So um, May 2013, I was in Tesco supermarket in the biscuit aisle with my two sons. Um, so they were sort of in their teens. And it was that moment after school where everybody is ratchety and I was, you know, tired from work. And I was in the biscuit aisle And I just dropped my bags and said to the boys, I can't cope. I can't do this anymore. And just started sobbing and looking at the hobnobs. Yes, I was looking at the chocolate hobnobs and thought, wow, this is it. This is where my life has come to. Oh, dear. Mm. (laughs) Not great. Not great. No, no. That sounds sounds like you've been under quite a lot of pressure at that point. I had. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, Jackie. So, um, I was a single mum, busy, 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 and um, both my parents were going through chemotherapy at the time, um, oh. and I didn't realise it. But looking back, I now realise that I was also going through the symptoms of the perimenopause. I wasn't sleeping. I was really anxious. I was overwhelmed. All these things were happening to my body, and I just yes. was thinking, I'm just, you know, an anxious single mum, and lots going on. Hadn't really got a yeah. clue. No. Well, so many of us don't. I mean, that's, mm. the, that's the little gift of the perimenopause, isn't it? That everyone assumes that it's all going to be about you know, hot flushes and probably you'll start a lot later. But right. actually, it's the emotional symptoms that kick in really quite early in your 40s yeah. as the progesterone starts to get out of balance. Absolutely. So I was, what, 48? And yeah, I, I don't get hot flushes. <laughs> I get cold yeah. flushes. So for me, if anyone says, you know, what, what's the aspects of the, the perimenopause, it's that emotional roller coaster and that absolute onslaught of anxiety that I'm all I've always been an anxious person but this was you know anxiety on steroids this was just hugely the whole time just anxious and overwhelmed so yeah you're absolutely right I just had no clue that that's what was happening to me right so there you are sobbing in the supermarket Mm -hmm. um what did you do? What happened next? So, I mean, just one of those really fortuitous events. I was with a friend that I knew I could be honest with and sort of said, look, this is what happened. And I sort of jokingly brushed it off, but also I kind of wanted it to be known so that, you know, friends knew that I was in quite a fragile position. Yes. They, You know, they'd been friends that had been there through my divorce and things like that. So I just was kind of just highlighting it in a really subtle way. <laughs> And one of my friends, uh, she said to me, how much exercise do you do, Joe?" And she knew the answer, which was really not much of any sort of significance. And she said, look, that might help you sleep. I have an old indoor right. rowing machine and I, you can have it because exercise I've read might help you sleep. She gave me it. And within two weeks, I was sleeping and my life was just 
brighter and better. Wow. So you really got going. You were motivated to do that rowing every day. Yeah, well, I was desperate. (laughs) You know, I was desperate. You know, people say you're so motivated. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I was just desperate. If she'd given me a bicycle, I would have ridden the bike. If she'd anything, I just was so desperate to get a good night's sleep. So I literally put it in the kitchen, Jackie, and just rode in the kitchen and didn't know what I was doing. But I just was like, wow, I'm sleeping. This is making a difference. I'm just going to carry on. And how much rowing were you doing? Oh, actually, not that much. Maybe about 2,000 meters every day. So not a huge amount. It was just literally enough to know that that I was going to have a good night's sleep. It was never about getting fit even. It was just, if I row, I sleep. That's the only equation right now that I need to know. <laughs> right. And then as the, as the rowing machine sort of broke to beyond repair. I then did join a gym and then I started just going to, you know, doing it a bit more regularly or a little bit bit further. But but I ignored a lot of the other things that were in the gym. It was just literally, I, I would walk to the rowing machine. Okay, so just back up a second mm. there because I think a few people like me might be wondering what 2,000 metres means. How long would it take you to do that? Oh, not, not long, 15, 20 minutes. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, really not long. Um, and I was coming from such a low a low threshold of um, fitness. I mean, there's some people that can do, you know, somebody who's a row will go, what, 15, 20 minutes? You know, you're at walking pace. And I really was. It was just a very slow start. It was nothing, you know, massively fast or particularly fit. It was just that rhythm of moving my body that it really hadn't done for so long except sort of running around after the boys right I see and so after that that Mm -hmm. led to a fundraising project yeah so as I said both mum and dad were having chemotherapy in 2013 and mum died in December 2013 on the 21st of December she had lymphoma and so just before Christmas she died and later in in May of 2014 I decided that I wanted to do a big fundraising challenge in her memory and I was going to include the only thing that I really knew what to do at the time and that was indoor rowing. I see that's an amazingly positive thing to do Mm. so very soon actually after Mm. her because grief is exhausting Mm. and to be doing something like that so soon afterwards is very impressive. Oh thank you I mean I It was extraordinary because I really didn't have a plan. I just decided it. And I started on the 5th of May, which would have been their wedding anniversary. And I decided to row 10,000 meters, so quite a significant amount more, every other night for eight months and rowed. So it was a million meters. And then on the first anniversary of her death, on the 21st of December, 2014, I rode a marathon, which was crazy. (laughs) Yes, it does sound pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it was. So how did you manage to keep motivated through all of that? That's a really good question. And sometimes I wonder myself, but I think two things. Number one, I was fundraising and I wanted Mm -hmm. to raise as much money as I could in her name. And so we raised over £10,000 with gift aid for Macmillan Cancer Support. And the other reason was I don't think I was motivated in, in, except in the sense of, I had to do it. There was a need in my body to move that grief that had lodged in my bones, really. You know, grief can just yes. soak you. And it was in my bones. Yes, from, it, really can. it really can, can't it? And, and it was in my bones from mum's death, from my divorces, you know, even from my miscarriages that I, 
um, divorce, not divorces, sorry. So it was in my bones from my, my divorce, from my miscarriages, grief about mum. And my bones were just holding so much grief. And I think I just needed to literally move my body and allow that grief to somehow come out. Um, it sounds a little bit woo-woo, but so it wasn't a motivation. It was a, this thing needs to be done and I need to do what I can for mum's memory and I need to move yeah. my body. So I just did it. Weird, but I just did it. Yeah. It just came to you at the right time mm. and that friend really did. Oh, extraordinary, extraordinary. I, you know, I often just thank her and she sort of, you know, chuckles and it's like, you know, you, you changed my life. You literally changed my life. So once you discovered that the whole positive impact of exercise, mm. where did you go from there? So I just started doing different things that I'd done as a child. And I started wild swimming. I was given a bike, a sort of secondhand bike. I just, you know, carried on doing lots of walking and hiking. I went bodyboarding. I just literally found a bodyboard um, in the back of my dad's cupboard that had been my son's. Let's just go back to wild swimming a second yeah. because that's Something that always sounds really amazing. Yes. Are there lots of places around where you are? Is it difficult to find somewhere for wild swimming? So I love swimming in the sea. Unlike a lot of people, I'm not a great river swimmer. I like to not be able to touch the bottom. <laughs> um, so put me out in the middle of an ocean and I'm cool. Put me out in a river and I can touch the bottom and I'm not cool. So I'm kind of the opposite of a lot of people. So I swim at the, at the coast where my dad lives. Right. So it's all about I when see. I go to the sea and I swim uh, where he lives, yeah, in the sea. Okay. <laughs> so I just started doing these things. And for two or three years, it was just lots of little tiny adventures that I would sort of bring into my life. And then in September 2016, I started paddleboarding. Yes. Now, this is the big one, isn't mm -hmm. it? This is your coast to coast yeah. paddleboarding challenge. Yes. Where did the idea come from? Well, I took my first lesson on the 25th of September. I'd injured my knee and I'd heard that it was really good for building your core strength. So I took my first lesson and the minute I stood up, I knew that this was something that was extraordinary and wonderful. And it was going to, again, in a way, change my life, but I wasn't quite sure how. So that was my first lesson. And the idea came to me about two months later. So November, December 2016. And I just decided that I wanted to paddleboard coast to coast. And I, at that time, would have been the first person to do it. But then things changed. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. It hasn't become a thing. <laughs> uh, no, no. What happened was I told somebody at a party and then told some other people, too, that I had this great idea um, to paddleboard across the canals um, from Liverpool to Gaul. And their response was less than enthusiastic. And such things as it doesn't sound very interesting. It sounds quite logistically difficult. And for someone of your age, um, I think it's probably a bit too much. So I actually shelved. Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I know. I know. And I was only 52, Jackie. I mean, or coming up to 52. Honestly. So yeah, not, it wasn't great. But I shelved, I didn't shelve the idea. I just sort of put it you know, in the back of my head and, and the back of my mind, but carried on with my little adventures and just let this little spark of an idea sort of just be there, just just there in the back of my head whilst I got on with the rest of my life and um, continued my lots of little adventures and got more confident on the paddleboard, but it never, ever went away. I just had to wait a few years until it it became reality. Right. So is the, I mean, how did it work? There aren't consecutive canals. So how did you plan it all? So there is, there is the Leeds-Liverpool Canal, which starts obviously in Liverpool and ends in Leeds. And then, uh, and that's 128 miles long and 90, 91 locks. And then you change in Leeds and you literally get off the canal 
and you get onto the river air uh, and you get the air and colder navigation, which then takes you through Tugul in the east, which is the most inland port. So it's not a straight line. It's a really wiggly line up and down through Merseyside, Lancashire and Yorkshire, coast to coast. I am a detail person, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to delve into this because I, <laughs> I just need to know how how did you manage it? I mean, were you were you staying overnight or were you driving to the start point each day? Yeah, how was it? Good, good question. So one of my goals was to show that you can have adventure on your doorstep. I This was my annual holiday. So I booked um, accommodation, if you can imagine, in Liverpool and in Goul and, and sort of a couple of days either side. And then in the right. middle of it, for four days, I was close enough to come home. So I had accommodation for three or four nights and then the middle bit I came home and then accommodation at the end. For one night I stayed with some people I'd met on Twitter who I only met literally on social media. I'd never met face to face. Amazing. Yeah, I know. And it was only as we were driving there, I was like, gosh, what if they're horrible? <laughs> um, <laughs> but they were actually the most amazing people and they, they just really rescued me that night. It had been a it would have been a difficult day and they were wonderful. So for four nights, I was able to sleep in my own bed, do my own washing, and have this incredible adventure, this magical time, but on my doorstep. So um, hopefully I achieved that goal of showing that there's magic on our doorsteps. So which way did you start? Which end did you start? I, I started in Liverpool. I left there on the Saturday, and I finished in Goul 11 days later on the Tuesday. That sounds like you did it pretty quickly. I mean, how far are you going every day? I So I had planned to paddle 16 miles every day. But um, yeah, that is, I'd never paddled more than 10. So yeah, it's a little bit crazy, really. But um, I got behind almost immediately because we had thunderstorms. And then in Wigan, there was this very thick green weed, which really held me back. So Almost from the first day, I was a day behind myself. Did that worry you? Uh, One night, I remember sort of lying awake at two in the morning. I'm not sure I've told anybody this, actually. Lying awake at two in the morning thinking, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I've put it all out on social media. Am I setting myself up for a real failure here? But I had given myself a day's extra leeway. So I knew that if I had to make it into 12 days, somehow I could. And I also knew that if I had to ring my directors and say, look, I'm, I'm stuck on the canal. Can I have an extra day's leave? I'm sure they would have been flexible. Such a worry, though. And I think, you know, it's that mid, middle of the night that when mm. the doubts start to assail you, it's nothing yeah. like it. Is there. No, I don't actually think I've ever told anybody about that doubt. But yeah. Um, and then I had a couple of days, like one day I, I paddled um, 24 miles, which was extraordinary and wonderful. And and it was just the, one of the very best days of my life. By the evening, I was five minutes or so from home in the car, but it was just a magical, magical day. Wow. But when the weather was bad, mm. did it make, I mean, I know canals don't, aren't like rivers, but mm. did it still make it rough and difficult? It didn't make the water rough, but it's just the rain was so heavy and so kind of torrential and unrelenting that you're and the wind that you're just paddling into the wind Um, and I would get texts from people saying you know are you cancelling are you are you going to postpone it and I was like no I can't this is this is my goal and this is my holiday you know I'm not a professional adventurer that will move it to another day this was my my summer holiday it was now or never yes it was now or never but um but in the end it was quite good I was 
filming footage for the BBC and they, you know, that sort of footage is quite good <laughs> to show them um, what it was like. So it, um, it slowed me down, but it didn't stop me. Wow. So, you know, food is all I think about really, you know, <laughs> how did that work? I mean, did you have a little kit bag on your yes. back? Or what did you do? Yeah. So I had a bag, I had what I called my comms bag and my litter bag. And in my comms bag, my communication bag, I had, um, you know, backup for my phone and things, but I had my food and I was very much wanted to have anything that was because I was collecting litter along the way and raising money for the Tunit Beach Clean Charity I wanted to not have plastic food you know food wrapped in plastic and I wanted quite food that was quite nutritiously dense as you can imagine so I could carry it so I ate a lot of peanut butter sandwiches which were great they you know tons of energy wrapped in beeswax wraps yeah so a company very kindly gave me this huge tin of um, peanut butter and then I made some energy balls, some um, bliss balls, and I froze those. You know, I made mass- loads of batches of them, and I froze those mm. in the weeks before, and then I took those. And then I ate lots of nuts and seeds and apricots and lots of drank lots and lots of water. Yeah, because you will have expended a lot of energy doing this. Yeah, so yeah. Yes, and I, what I realized, Jackie, and you'll completely know this, is the first day when I set off, I was literally on adrenaline. And I didn't eat. And so when I arrived oh, okay. at the hotel and the adrenaline kind of stopped and I suddenly realized what was happening, I started shaking and I had just got a new phone and I dropped this new phone and it's now got a huge crack in it. Oh, and I yeah. suddenly was like, oh my gosh, what if I can't do this? What if this is my reaction to paddleboarding now? But it was because I then reflected and I said, well, what did you eat this afternoon? And, you know, I'd, I'd had a bit of breakfast and what did you eat? And then I said to myself, you haven't eaten. You've just been so excited once I started. So blood sugar absolutely yeah. on the floor, which, of course, I talk about in, in yeah, last month. Exactly. So, yes, I bet you learned pretty quickly from that. I absolutely did. It was like I started taking two bottles of water and made sure that I ate. And I never, never had a problem after that. Never had a problem. So it was a really good lesson early on. And I mean, did you just have to ask this? Sorry, Mm. but did you just sort of stop and pee behind a bush whenever you needed to? (laughs) I did wild wheeze, yes. (laughs) Um, And also, I did. um, The Canal and River Trust very kindly gave me a key and this what's called sanitation points along the way. Oh, yeah. So it's for the narrow boat, um, narrow boaters, so that they can go and fill with water, have showers, and and have loos on on the towpath. So there were a couple of times when I was, you know, able to use the the, the proper toilet, which was very, very nice and very civilized. Oh, yeah. Proper luxury. (laughs) Yes, it was. It was like, oh, look at me. I'm so posh. (laughs) So, I mean, this is an enormous thing that you've done. What, What did you learn about yourself? I learned that I'm braver than I ever thought I was I've never really considered myself that brave and I realized that actually I'm quite brave not just the the physical nature of it but just the sense of I put myself out and put my dream out there you know and sort of said I'm going to do this and I had lots of interest as I said from TV and papers and social media and so it I was putting my sort of head above the parapet and um, and I realized that's okay. And um, if the intention is correct, then um, just to go with that. So bravery. Um, I think I also learned that I'm probably stronger than I thought I was physically, which was quite a nice yeah. thing to know. It's very empowering. Actually, it is. Like it is. And I think, um, I think after I'd had uh, my miscarriages, you know, my body was felt like it was broken and that I had done something wrong and all that sort of stuff. And I think in a way, 
this sort of reminded me that my body is pretty amazing and and together we can have these cool adventures and and I can rely on it and uh, as long as I'm kind to it and that was another point Jackie I I try to be kind and make decisions on like self-care decisions along the way about whether I would stop or carry on etc yeah that's so important Mm. well done What's changed as a result of this? Has your life is your life different since doing that? It's more interesting. <laughs> I've had lots of different opportunities. I mean, I still have my very you know regular day job, um, and then I teach Aquafit in the evening. We're making a film about it, so I have that very normal life that I had before. But now I just have lots of other interesting things going on. I've you know promotional things that have happened, the films, speaking engagements. Um, so it's just made my life fuller. It's richer. Yeah, I think my life is just richer for it. And I'm sort of saying yes to different opportunities. Yeah, well, good for you. Thank so you. You are all about promoting adventuring, really. And you are the poster girl <laughs> for midlife adventures, really. And you say on your website, and I have to use this quote because it's so great, mm. that you're never too old to do something wild. Mm. It's never too late to make a difference. Oh, yeah. And I think that's just such a great way to see it. Mm. So How would you advise other women in midlife to take on their own adventure? I would say just what, you know, think about what lights up your soul. Um, You know, what inspires you? Is there somebody who's done something that you think, oh, I'd love to do that? Or I wonder if. And then just to start really small, you know, I took one lesson in, in the lakes on the paddleboard and it changed my life so everything as you know with your nutrition people just need to start with one small change one small step um, and just see where it leads and to have no pressure of an outcome you know if you start wild swimming because everybody says it's fantastic and you absolutely hate it don't wild swim you know just do like for example people say do you want to come and swim in the river and I'm like but then they say do you want to come in and see and I'm like oh yeah you know plop me in the middle so just do what what brings you joy literally is find your joy and let that you know run with that and um, start small and believe in yourself. So what would you say to women who feel that actually that's something that someone else would do but they're too busy or stressed or anxious tired not confident enough what what would you say to those women how can they make the first step I would say I've been all of those things and you know and I still am sometimes you know if I don't treat my I I sometimes say that I treat my I have to parent myself you know like Joe put your phone down and go to bed you know stop working turn the lights off go to bed so I do feel those things sometimes if I'm not looking after myself, if I haven't, you know, gone to bed on time, haven't drunk enough water, haven't been outside. So I would just say that I know exactly how you feel. I felt exactly the same way. And just know that you're no different to me or any of the other women who feel, you know, that the menopause has sort of broken them down a little bit and that there is always hope and that they deserve to carve out that time to look after themselves. I think that's sometimes the hardest thing is believing that you deserve that time to look after yourself. Yes. yes. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't no. have to be the, the paddleboarding coast to coast straight away, does it? Absolutely not. I mean, for years, um, you know, for me, it was, you know, going off for a little swim, going for a, um, a run and picking up litter, going on my bike. It absolutely start small and just expand that joy. And if you don't ever want to do something big, that's fine too. Nobody's putting any pressure on anybody. It's just doing something that lights up your soul. Yeah, great, 
Great advice, wise words. What are you up to at the moment? Have you got any exciting news to share with us? So we're making the film about last year. I just announced that another film that I made, which was only a minute long, <laughs> it's amazing how much you can pack in, that just won an award, uh, but I didn't like what to... What was that about? So that was about litter picking on my paddle boards, but that was at the coast. Right. Uh, that was called yeah. Found at Sea. And that sort of really was about the story from feeling, you know, anxious and upset and broken and, and grief ridden to, you know, finding joy and how the sea had helped me do that. And yeah, I'm just just doing lots of different things that have come out of the paddleboarding for last year. And my goal is to become a paddleboard instructor. But obviously, just right now, that's a little bit on hold, but that will be over the next year. That's what my goal is to do. Oh, that's amazing. So what will happen with the films? Where can we see them? So the um, the film that just um, won the award is actually going to be screened this weekend as part of the Two Minute Beach Clean Day. That was a charity I raised money for. Um, so And then we're going to put that online. And then the other big film that we're making about last year's adventure, um, the filmmaker and I just really need to sit down and decide where how – how we're going to um, share that and hopefully we'll just enter it to lots of film festivals and um, it will be um, it will be seen that way and then at some point put it up on YouTube so yeah exciting Excellent. so so much ex- interesting stuff here mm. how can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do and, and what you're up to um, so my website is healthyhappy50.com and my Twitter and Instagram is healthyhappy50 um, as well so that's where I am and usually nice and easy. Easy, yeah. <laughs> Does what it says on the tin. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Thank well, you. I will put links to all of those on the show notes. Thank page you. That's very kind. On my website. So before we wrap up, and I can't mm. believe that we, we've almost come to the end. Honestly, mm. it's been so it's interesting. It's flown by. <laughs> Hasn't it? So I ask all my guests this. Mm-hmm. From all the things you've learned mm-hmm. through this, this whole process, this whole journey you've mm-hmm. been on, what would your top two tips be for women going through the menopause? My top two tips would be, first of all, find some sort of movement that you enjoy. And that could be dancing, it could be paddleboarding, it could be swimming, it could be running, something that you enjoy and just build that into your life. Hopefully every something every day, but just build that into your life. And the second thing is to look after your sleep. I was listening to one of your podcasts recently with Dr. Foster. Dr. Russell Russell Foster, yeah. Yeah, Professor Foster. And he said, you know, find out what works um, and your sleep patterns and guard it ferociously or something like that. And that I think is just, I just thought, yes, that is that is what I do. I'm fairly ferocious about my sleep patterns. um, And that for me, it started with wanting to sleep and it will always be my whole life depends on my sleep the night before. And that's so, yeah, find what works for you. Listen to that podcast that uh, of yours. I definitely recommend everybody do that. And then guard your sleep ferociously um, because your life really does depend on it. And yes. uh, yeah, so moving and sleep for me are the key things, I would say. Look after both. Yeah, great. Thank you. My right. Pleasure. Well, look, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been really interesting. And oh, I think thank we'll you. To, you have to come back in a year or two and tell us more about the next big adventure. <laughs> I um, would love I'm to. Sure there's going to be one. But yeah. thanks again for joining us, Joe. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Jackie. I really appreciate it. What an inspiring woman and what an interesting story. I really love that Joe has done all this alongside her day job and bringing up her children. 
It just goes to show that you don't have to make a drastic life change to introduce a bit of adventure into your life. If you'd like to find out more about Jo, her work and her new films, visit the show notes on the podcast page of my website, well-well-well.co.uk, where I've put all the relevant links. This is the end of season one of The Happy Menopause, and I really hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be taking a break in August, so this will be a great chance for you to catch up with any of the episodes you haven't listened to yet. And you could also pre-order my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, which is coming out in October. I'll be back in September with season two, which starts with a series of specials to kick things off. I'll be speaking to more inspiring women and exploring more of those pesky menopause symptoms. So look out for episodes on skin, hair, nails, and much more over the autumn. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. And make sure you tell all your friends. It makes a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast and really helps to spread the word. Because every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great summer and bye for now.